0: UST. Together, we build for Boundless Impact. TikTok faces more scrutiny in a new U.S. Senate bill. Plus, the FTC demands Elon Musk's internal Twitter communications. And on International Women's Day, we'll look at the campaign to achieve gender parity in business
1: where companies have got women on boards and women into leadership positions, they are more successfully financially overall than those companies that do not.
0: It's Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal, and here's the AM edition of What's News, the top headlines and business stories moving your world today. Bipartisan group of U.S. senators have introduced a bill that subjects video-sharing app TikTok to greater scrutiny. Among other things, the bill would create a process to review and mitigate risks from foreign technology. Here is Virginia Democratic Senator Mark Warner. We st- lack, at this moment in time, a holistic interagency, whole-of-government approach. So instead of playing whack-a-mole on Huawei one day, ZTE, the next, Kaspersky, TikTok, we need a more comprehensive approach to evaluating and mitigating these threats posed by these foreign technologies from these adversarial nations. The legislation adds to a string of recent technology bills as lawmakers become increasingly concerned about China gaining access to Americans' user data. TikTok has said it wouldn't share such data with the Chinese government. We are reporting that the U.S. plans to ease COVID testing requirements for travelers from China beginning Friday. Since January 5th, travelers from mainland China, Hong Kong and Macau have been required to submit a negative COVID test before departure. While Biden administration officials have said the travel order was issued for public health reasons, the decision to reverse it comes amid deteriorating relations between Washington and Beijing. U.S. safety regulators have opened a special investigation into Norfolk Southern Railroad and the safety culture at the company. That move by the National Transportation Safety Board, or NTSB, follows an announcement by Norfolk Southern that one of its conductors was fatally injured on Tuesday at a rail crossing at a Cleveland, Ohio steel plant. Journal reporter Ben Dummett says the accident adds to the scrutiny facing Norfolk Southern following two derailments in Ohio, including one that resulted in the release of hazardous chemicals in the town of East Palestine. This is part of a broader safety review that the NTSB is carrying out. They've been investigating five significant accidents involving the railway operators since December 2021. And the NTSB said it's concerned that several organizational factors, including safety culture, may be involved in the accidents. And we might learn more about what the railway is trying to do to address these issues when Norfolk CEO Alan Shaw is slated to testify tomorrow before a Senate panel about last month's derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Shaw has pledged to rebuild the company's safety culture and said he plans to hold company-wide safety briefings with employees today. And Oklahoma voters have said no to legalizing recreational marijuana. According to unofficial results from the state's election board, roughly 62 percent of voters rejected the measure, which would have allowed for legal marijuana possession, cannabis cultivation, and would have expunged the records of those convicted of low-level marijuana offenses. Oklahoma joins Arkansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota in defeating similar legalization efforts. Federal Trade Commission is ramping up its investigation of Twitter following the social media company's acquisition by Elon Musk. That is according to documents viewed by the Wall Street Journal, which outline what the FTC is looking into. Wall Street Journal technology policy reporter Ryan Tracy has been on this story and joins me now with more on what we are finding out. Hey, Ryan, thanks for being with us. Thank you. So what do we know here? What info does the FTC want
2: from Twitter? Well, we've seen 12 letters that have been sent to Twitter and its lawyers since late October, and they're asking for really all kinds of documents and information about major business decisions that Twitter has made under Elon Musk, for example, the launch of its new subscription service, Twitter Blue, a detailed accounting of layoffs at the company, Even Mr. Musk's personal communications or communications by other Twitter employees about Mr. Musk. And all this is taking place under the umbrella of an investigation that the FTC is doing into whether Twitter has complied with an order that is with the FTC for previous privacy and security violations. So the FTC was saying years ago that Twitter broke consumer protection laws. Twitter didn't admit to that, but it settled those allegations by promising to undertake this really sweeping program to protect people's privacy, to ensure that it was a good steward of people's data. And so all these questions are arguably, at least in some way, connected to that. And are these unusual requests
0: from an agency like the FTC?
2: Well, it's a little hard to say because it's unusual for us to see requests like this, really. I mean, these are private letters between a law enforcement agency and a company that is investigating, we typically don't get to see this level of detail. And it's unusual that they've made it into the public domain. And and that's happened via the Republican-led House Judiciary Committee that originally obtained these documents. And there are a lot of questions here. And what the committee says in Its report that it's publishing is that this looks like harassment of Twitter, that this is well beyond what you would expect if you were just investigating privacy.
0: Ryan, an FTC spokesman has said that the agency routinely seeks information that companies under a consent order provide to third parties, like journalists, arguing that Twitter couldn't withhold that same information from the FTC. And I'll also note here that Twitter hasn't responded to any requests for comment on that. But I do wonder, Ryan, is there anything unusual about the
2: way in which these documents came to light? It's not typical for anyone outside the parties, the company, and the agency to have access. So it's strange that a congressional committee has access to these kind of letters. It's strange that a journalist does. It's strange that they're in the public domain. This is not the way this usually goes. You know, We usually don't hear about investigations until they're over. And, you know, that's worth stating here, too. You know, all these things the FTC is asking about could end up being, you know, part of a formal accusation that Twitter's done something wrong and could also end up being nothing. You know, the FTC is asking a question and we'll see where they land. The other thing that is worth noting from the FTC's perspective, you know, a lot of people have been calling on the agency to look into Twitter because there have been concerns about with the shrinking staff at the company, can they continue to meet all their obligations, have the staff to maintain security of people's data, to sort of be reviewing all their new products to make sure that they're privacy compliant, that sort of stuff that Twitter is required to do under this legally binding order that signed.
0: That was Wall Street Journal technology policy reporter Ryan Tracy in Washington. Ryan, thank you for the update. Thank you. Coming up, what does it take to achieve gender parity within the upper ranks of global business? We'll hear from two leading voices pushing to get more women on corporate boards and in C-suite roles after the break. This
2: message comes from Vikings.
0: Last month, a government-backed campaign in the United Kingdom aimed at increasing the number of women on corporate boards within FTSE 350 companies to 40 percent hit its target three years early. And on International Women's Day today, we wanted to learn what made that campaign successful, as well as what challenges remain in achieving gender balance at companies around the world. I started off by asking Fiona Cannon, the Group Sustainable Business Director for Lloyd's Banking Group and a member of the steering group for the FTSE Women's Leaders Review, how that 40% target for the biggest companies in the UK was reached.
1: So I think there's a number of things that have happened in terms of getting us there. Firstly, I would say the voluntary review has really helped because I think that's allowed businesses to really focus on the specific issues that relate to them and to be able to kind of build progress in that way. And there's no doubt that having an annual report where companies are ranked in terms of their progress as well creates its own kind of peer pressure. And I think that peer pressure has helped too. And I think there's another element, which is one of the things that the review has been doing is working very closely, both with the headhunter population and also the investor population as well. And then, of course, it's up to the individual companies who spend quite a lot of time obviously focusing on the particular issues that are relevant to them in order to make the changes.
0: Are companies explaining why they're appointing women to their boards and to leadership positions?
1: I think companies have been very vocal about the reasons for appointing women. And the reasons are very clear. There's a very strong business case for making progress in terms of diversity on boards and in executive positions overall. If you look at any company, particular company that has customers, you want to be able to make sure that you serve your customers to the best possible effect. You're supported in doing that, of course, when you have diversity In those leadership positions that are making decisions that will impact on your colleagues and your customers so i think the business case is very clear and there's been lots of research done now by a whole range of organizations that show that where companies have got women on boards and women into leadership positions that they are more successfully financially overall than those companies that do not
0: so what lessons can be learned from the uk Hanukkah Smits is the CEO of BNY Mellon Investment Management and the global chair of the 30% Club, a business group focused on diversity. I asked her about how to get more women into leadership globally.
3: So first of all, I think we should celebrate the fact that in the U.S., we have also achieved levels of diversity that are ahead of 30 percent. When we look at the S&P 100, we're actually at 33 percent in terms of women holding board roles in 2022. What started in the UK and, and the same principles has really been taken up in the US and other chapters around the world is a very strong collaboration between mostly men in leadership roles of chairs and CEOs of publicly listed companies and women and really shining a light on the fact that diversity in boards and in the C-suite is really important for business performance, right? Right. It's been often reported by McKinsey that companies that are in the top quartile for gender diversity are actually more likely to generate above average profitability than companies that are in fourth quartile. And quite simply put, when you have a more diverse group of people sitting around the table, starting with gender, but also other types of diversity, you just have more robust discussions leading to better business outcomes.
0: So what does the future hold for gender parity in business? Fiona Cannon told me that systemic change is needed.
1: In terms of some of the things that need to happen in order to really fix the issue of diversity broadly, but particularly for gender equality, is that you have to focus on systemic issues. And flexible working is absolutely one of those systemic issues that need to be fixed. Now the pandemic opened that up considerably for us because what it showed is that actually you can work in all sorts of different ways and you can still be very, very productive as we all were through the pandemic. I think there is a bit of a danger that the debate is going back to either being at home or being in the office. And actually, the debate around flexible working is much more nuanced than that. It's about, you know, where is the sweet spot between what employees want and what employers need and all organisations need to be agile. And I think there is a danger at the moment that if we focus very much on home The office, rather than redesigning roles, for example, more job shares, thinking about who's doing roles rather than just thinking about where, there is a danger that that systemic issue is going to reassert itself. I think some of the other systemic changes are really around parental leave, shared parental leave. And better paid parental leave as well, because I think there's no doubt that until men are fully involved in the domestic sphere, that it's going to be very difficult for women to really be fully present in the professional sphere. And I think one of the final things that we have found through our work is that men are typically recruited on their potential and women are recruited on their experience. And so we really need to flip that over so that actually women are also recruited for their potential.
0: And Hanukkah Smiths pointed out that the next frontier really lies in getting women into the C-suite.
3: So look, I think while we should be proud and celebrate surpassing that 30% mark, it's not lost on me that we have achieved that for board level positions, but we have not achieved that yet for executive level positions, which I really think is the next battleground. We need to see more diversity in the C-suite, And we need to see also more focus on intersectionality. So in the UK, we've set a race equity target, that we're going to be working with our different chapters around the world to translate into actions. It's clear to me that change won't happen overnight and there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. And I think there needs to be a really collective effort
0: That was Hanukkah Smits of BNY Mellon Investment Management and the 30% Club and Fiona Cannon of Lloyd's Banking Group and the Steering Group of the FTSE Women's Leaders Review. And that's What's News. For Wednesday morning, we'll be back tonight with a new show. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening.